Versus. 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 Podcast. Now we're recording. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, so many false starts. To talk about photos rather than making them seems idiotic to me. It's as though I went on about a woman I adored instead of making love to her. Quote by Jacques-Henri Lartigue. Oh, no, a French guy. Yeah. Um, Lartigue Ooh. being famous for... Making love to women? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, really. uh, he was an aristocratic French child. Hmm. Um, and then shot a lot of stuff on his brownie back in the day while there was still pictorialism happening. And then decades later was discovered as the first like true snapshot photographer. Oh. Um, but it was mostly... Before Bresson and... Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, it was like really early, like, because it was pre-35 mil. So... Uh, pre-Bresson and he just was some rich kid who shot who had expenses to buy tons of brownies and film and just shot pictures of his like aristocratic family and then they were discovered in like the 60s or 70s I'd have to fact check that at the end but um, that seems to be the case that it's photography as much as people in it don't like to think it's always been elitist like totally maybe only now it's like starting to become like available to really everyone but even people saying like well it's on everybody's iphone like you still have to own an iphone like that's not given to everyone true to have that but back in the day it was like a money thing yeah yeah because you need to afford all the stuff Mm -hmm. um but that kind of that's a good segue into we're in this moment in time that's happened before where photography becomes more egalitarian. Mm-hmm. Like at first it was obviously like only the Nadars and the Fox Talbots and who, well, Fox Talbot had developed photography yeah. in order to do it. But like only the like rich guys with daylight studios could do it or people who could afford big cameras. And then along came the Brownie and then fast forward to 35 mil and then fast forward to the Polaroid. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in this new, era of like where everybody can do it um i find it funny like even iphone having to redo the way that they catalog photos because everybody is shooting so many photos Mm -hmm. um that you can't keep track of them anymore in the future what people do out of it because i think that's like the unsung hero of the people shooting tons of photo is editing like vivian mayer just to go back and to go back in time i think is this Success also very story much like Lartigue of, being discovered years later. Oh, Lartigue wasn't... So how do we have quotes from him then? Back in the... Sorry to cut off your... No, 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 no. Because um, we don't have Vivian Mayer quote because nobody gave a shit who she was <laughs> when she was alive, right? That's true. Um, no, he was discovered later on as an old man. Um uh, and the whole photographer world went crazy over him because he's, his photos predated all like the jumping ones that Avedon did in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Or like, and so as an old man, he got celebrity status. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like, I even just saw this old Pentax ad where it was like Lartigue endorsing like, like a K1000 or something like that in the 70s. No. Oh. So it was all as an old man. And there's tons of like Bailey shot him. Avedon was a big fan of his up until Lartigue says, ah, the Nazi occupation wasn't so bad. It was kind of fun, actually. And then Avedon kind of disowned him. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, very much like Vivian Mayer, except he didn't die penniless and unknown. He died in celebrity. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, the name ring, rings a bell, but I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe too tired to remember uh, history of photography classes. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. But Vivian Mayer, yes, editing. You were like. Well, she had access. She, she was the nanny, but of like a rich family and an access to all the film she could burn. Yeah. And really, they've discovered boxes and boxes of stuff. And through editing, like there's a tight edit of really good photos. But I'd venture that looking at the names of people editing those books, they're good editors. The rest of what was in those boxes is probably crap. So it's like it's, it's it was interesting that she could afford to shoot that much stuff and like the passage of time too. And like she's showing us an era that's not there anymore, and that wasn't photographed all that all that much. So that yeah. that's interesting. But yeah, like there's. If you pick the like a hundred random Vivian Mayer photos out of that box, you're probably not a hero photographer. Like this is just true. Yeah, and I think the big thing too with that is also like like I feel about street photography in general, where it's like looking back on it, it's better than it is in its when it's now when it's new because it's like yeah, I know that street, or it's like oh, that's what that used to look like. Mm-hmm. Lartigue suffered the same thing. Like well, not suffered, but like you know what I mean. It was like aristocratic Paris, and everybody thought oh, that was really neat. Yeah. You know, so. Well, looking old Robert Frank photos too, like part of the charm is like, look, everyone in the street's wearing a bowler hat. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everybody's wearing a suit in the 50s. Like, we don't have that anymore. And like, there's yeah. a bit of nostalgia that yeah. that takes over. But yeah. Um, so going back to the quote, we're, we're talking about photographs. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of making them. Um, but I mean, he... If he liked the Nazi occupation, maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> I think we would both agree that, like, we would both agree with that quote, and we do spend a lot of time taking photos. Yeah. And even more time talking about it, but that's just that's just in between, right? Like, we're... Totally. Totally. Um, the reason why this podcast is, is going to be irregular is because we're busy taking photos and not... It's not filling our schedule them. with talking about it, yeah. so like that that should be that should be to our advantage. But yeah, point taken. Yeah, yeah, it is it is an odd thing to do a podcast about something that's visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's cool. Yeah, we can. Uh, it's with described video, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, the fact that uh, the fact that photography has become cheaper, if it's still somewhat elitist, it's it's. Not as elitist as it's the most populous as it ever was. Like now it's available to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it creates a lot of crap, um, but it also affords us to do, to push the boundaries. Like I do, did recently did a shoot for one photo. I had like, I don't know how many gigs, I think like 35 gigs, something like that, over a thousand frames for just the one. That's something that even if, you know, 50 years ago, there's no, no photographer could do that even with unlimited budgets. Like you'd be burning through so much film to do that. Totally. Um, so yeah, the like harnessing the power of editing going like, no, we're shooting this to the ground until we get a good photo. We can exploit the fact that photography has become cheaper. And that's a, that's a good thing. Like more readily available, cheaper. So everybody's going to take it. Now, I guess there's the difference between, say, like, what snapshots are and what photography is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And where the line is drawn for that. Or when a snapshot becomes a photograph. Yeah. Like, well, how, how would you describe, a, like, a like a photo as opposed to 
Well, not I guess. So I would the words I use is to differentiate it is is uh, is called photography is just capturing an image through mechanical means. Yeah. Um, so really, like a photo radar that get, gets your plate if you're speeding is also a photograph. But we would not call it art because it isn't. That's just a that's just a technical thing. Then yeah. a passport photo is also just documenting what the hell your face looks like for the agents. So that's also not art. So I just go art versus documenting. Yeah. And there's some stuff that like crosses the line a little bit because in photojournalism you have it's the intent is to document but there's a lot of artistry involved or more and more so or at least the ones that endure we consider them as artists now yeah even though they were capturing moments documenting so like there's an overlap and then there's true art um i think i would say art is all about intent um so if you if you just take photos if you you just fuck around with a camera and then after the fact you think hey this is kind of cool and you decide to name it art that's bullshit but if you were working towards something you had an intent you thought of what you were you were doing you planned it um even if you plan for stuff that was unplanable like for randomness um then that's then that's art right yeah um i feel though that there's this turning away of art like where it's like um, like back when pictorialism was like photography and mm-hmm. everything was set up and very almost like they're just redoing paintings in a way. Mm-hmm. And then the art became like the vernacular, like just like the, the tools that they used or photography was the tool that they used to capture something. But then that capture later became more of the art because people were just rejecting pictorialism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So do you think like, photo radar tickets will become art like there already is like i think like the McLuhan thing like the medium is the message is like bigger than ever right now because there's pictures being captured specifically for instagram and that's where they're only relevant Mm. you know um and then they put like you know that vernacular photography i guess for lack of a better term becomes the art itself because it's it's like people are rejecting setups now like Mm -hmm. that Vogue cover of Beyonce where they're just like, we don't want to establish photographer. We want this 26 year old. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, but I, that's, that's where I think the best way to, if you, the only thing you can narrow down to is intent because then, then you weed out the like level of, of quality or you know what is it for but <clears throat> if the intent if the intent was to document it's not art if if you have an intent to be art then it is yeah um uh, and and what blurs the line is if we go too far back in paintings is that it was technically really tough so you you were an artist if you were a good painter because of the because technically it was is hard to do but really um if you're doing a portrait of the king because He's going to chop everyone's head in your family. If you don't, then that's not art. You just have to do it. And you're using the techniques you've heard. Like, you yeah. know, you just, if you're painting religious feel, stuff so that nobody burns you at the stake. I that's feel that's how art. we work now under deadline constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of being burned at the stake, we're just not paying our rent or mortgage. 
But then it's not art, right? Like that's fine. Those yeah. are commercial gigs that we're being hired for our skills. And like yeah. I think both you and me use what what we see as art to get good commercial gigs. And yeah. like there's the you know the mix of art and commerce like that of of using art to get ideas to people who don't have ideas to you you know to do that. And that yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, pay the bills like composers were doing that too. They're commissioned to to write stuff and then on their own time write their own art yeah. so well, that's fair where are we going with that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I feel this is just like the like getting the the cobwebs off yeah but podcast. it's I think that and that's where it's funny when I when I studied the history of photography uh, teacher was an idiot so like I didn't enjoy the subject but I uh, well I didn't enjoy the class but I enjoyed the subject the thing a lot of people start is is with the the gears and Niepce and like these guys and that's that's what drives seeing art as a as a technical thing and and it is like the photography yeah. as a technical thing but really we should look a little bit before to to painters like Vermeer who the only reason he was a painter is because their cameras didn't exist back then like he yeah. wanted to replicate something he like would you know use the 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 mirror thing to just like um to just paint as realistically as possible and that's what he's remembered for and that's like he's all craft yeah. and camera would have like the camera would have solved all this problem if he was a hundred years later vermeer is a photographer not a painter he yeah and like he wasn't into mixing pigments really right yeah, yeah, yeah so now that it's like because it entered the world as a technical thing we've always had to fight that that's like the that it's all about the gear it's all about the you know and that that's something that other art forms don't have you don't hear ballet people arguing about which uh which shoe is better i'm sure they have that discussion but yeah. like it's not about the tutus and the and and the point shoes right like it's 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 an art form it's more pure yeah. like that for us we we've, we've got the the technology to deal with and I, that muddies the water i really really hope somewhere in the world is a ballet shoes shop and like this uh, ballet shoe wankers come in and are like oh these point shoes shit i'm a i'm a hush puppies guy because <laughs> i assume that hush puppies makes ballet shoes for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta get these new mirrorless <laughs> shoe point shoes yeah i'm just like and i guess maybe it's only because i know like more about photography than most things in my life but like do painters go through the same like i wonder if there's dudes hanging around paint shops that are just no good but they like are just like bothering the staff with quality brushes i'm sure i'm sure it exists but then it, I think that's the dirty secret is that photography is a lot easier than painting. Yeah. So if you're going to be an idiot talking about paintbrushes, but you never actually put in the hours to learn how to paint, nobody's going to pretend you're a painter because you've got nothing to show for. Yeah. With photography, you could you could click the button like that's the, the level of entry is really low. So there's a lot of you true. Know, so it's a desirable title to have because it seems easy on the outside. And it's easy to to. It's easy to get a to get like to dip your toe into photography that way. Yeah, I would say I would imagine that 
musicians, painters, <clears throat> other art forms, amongst them, we'll talk about brushes because I'm sure there's a brush that's better than another one. Oh, totally. It won't consume like 90% of their time though. Yeah. Like when I have to buy new equipment and I run it by you, go like, have you had an experience with this? Like we talk about it because it's a part of what we do. Yeah. But it's also never been what stops us, mm -hmm. right? Like I've never made excuses for like, well, this photo is not as good as I wish it was because I didn't have this camera, this light, this whatever. Yeah. Just do it what you've got the same way you would, I imagine, if you, you know, if you're a ballerina and then you don't have your favorite shoes that day, you'd be like, okay, well, I'm still going to make it happen. Yeah. Paint brushes. Make it happen in a yeah. Rebox. Yeah. <laughs> hush puppies. Because you don't have your hush puppies. <laughs> it says Rebox and hush puppies. That's, that's the word of ballet. Yeah. <laughs> I wish this podcast would just turn into a ballet podcast. <laughs> Let's not talk about what we have expertise in and talk about ballet. Uh, like, what's your favorite kind of twirl? Um, just a basic pirouette, I'd say. Oh, yeah. I forgot that, that word. <laughs> There's a bunch of French language. On this, is, this is how I've gone through life, is by knowing the bare minimum of every subject. <laughs> <laughs> so I can chat just at the root level on anything. Uh, so you're an accountant, eh? What's your fiscal year end uh, oh, looking like? It's <clears throat> crazy. It's the end of quarter. And then I just let that person talk. <laughs> I'm just I'm giving away all my on-set secrets right now. Know a, the tiniest bit about everything. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Pull up more quotes. Okay. Photographic portrait is a picture of someone who knows they're being photographed. And what he does with this knowledge is as much a part of the photograph as what he's wearing or how he looks. It's an Avedon quote. Uh, I thought you were going to make me guess who it was. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. It, well, yeah. That sounds like someone trying to explain, trying to put depth into shooting people on white. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Because there's, there's an even better Avedon quote uh, about being on white. I'm going to paraphrase it. but And I, to be honest, I won't lie. Full, full disclosure, I've lived by this quote that I, I'm not going to get entirely right. But it's basically Avedon talking about how the reason he shot on white was so that your attention is only on that person. Mm -hmm. Right? And I've always believed in that. Like, I don't. I, I, I really love environmental portraiture. Yeah. But I won't lie. My preferred thing is like a really blank background. So you have to look pretty much at the person and their eyes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Quote. Um, I agree with completely. When somebody steps onto that paper roll or is in front of a camera, they're, they're going to be putting on some sort of air. Like even if they're not trying to. And mm -hmm. even if you capture like, well, I guess this is the funny thing. Avedon would always like, his portraits were of those off moments a lot. And a lot of people hated him for that. Yeah. Because he would, like, publish, like, the worst picture of him because he thought, okay, this isn't them being somebody else. But everybody's going to try to be a heightened version of themselves. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of their experience or not. Or they're going to be a shy version of themselves or something. Like, you know what I mean? There's no natural bit when there's a camera pointed at somebody with them knowing. Well, in a broader sense, people act differently when someone watches them than when someone doesn't. So, like, Completely. 
the camera makes it like very clear that someone's watching and that it'll be recorded at some point. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's great portraits, be portrait people that you're good at that too. Getting people to like forget about it, just like you, you, you know, you talk to them and you get them comfortable enough so that they forget that that's happening. And like yeah. those are the photos that you know, and that's in the vein of Avedon a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's getting them to forget. I I want them to be extremely aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's more just like it doesn't have to be this formal setting. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm. I'd say one of the things I'm good at is being an idiot, like on yeah. set, where it's just like, like making them know that this isn't like very serious, <clears throat> and that they can they can relax and like, and then they can kind of be who they want to be or who I want them to be. Yeah, you know. They, But you make that through discussion, like I've seen totally, you do, right? So totally. like, if eventually, the first thing on their mind is replying to you, interacting with you. Whether it's you being a buffoon and them thinking like what an idiot or yeah. an actual engaged conversation, I don't think it really matters. But it's getting that like there's lights and a camera pointing at you to be secondary in their mind. And like yeah. maybe not forget it. Forget it is the wrong word. But like it's not like all encompassing like, oh, shit, I'm being captured. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, funny thing, though, about Abaddon is I think the reason I was reading a bit about this or in this biography about him and the reason I think why he continued that whole white aesthetic mm. was when he first showed his work to, I think it was Alexei Brodovich. Uh, it was a bunch of environments or just like, you know, junior photography pictures and stuff yeah. like that. And Brodovich just dismissed almost all of it until the last page where he had some passport photos of sailors that he had shot while he was in the merchant Marines And Brodovich picked up on that and thought they were brilliant. And so it's funny because, like, reading that makes me think, well, Avedon just really wanted to take these elevated passport photos, which are normally, like, we consider passport photos, like, the lowest form of mm -hmm. portraiture, if we even want to call it that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. That's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. And, like. It's interesting that he even just came out of a probably a contradiction in uh, the who's that Russian sounding person? Alexei Brodovich. Yeah, the art, art director? director for Vogue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like art directors just bored with the normal stuff, wanting something different. Yeah. Um, and like not to fry all the stuff we have to talk about, but that's something that that Robert Frank had told me, right? And he was like more concerned about being different. Or not different just for the sake of being different, but like unique or identifiable. He said to me, like when he first started, he wanted to make sure someone could tell it was his photo without reading the name under the photo. Mm -hmm. Just like it had to be. And I asked him, like, how do you do that? And he was like, I just shot blurry stuff, which is so simple, right? Like the criticism I'd have on Avedon's work, if I'm allowed to criticize Avedon's work, is that it looks like passport photo. And it's kind of cool to know that it's like, yeah, it came out of this, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. because yeah. it was, it was different. So that's, that's to me, super interesting. Yeah. Um, but I wonder how long, long how long Robert Frank had to be different for him to be noticed. Do you know what I mean? I don't know a lot about Robert Frank. Well, I think he was a keener businessman than a lot of people make him out to be, like, or at yeah. least like a super 
targeted networker uh what he's and so some of that i've read and some of that i've asked him and it's it's he he seems to wear different hats depending on who he talked to and like he's good at pleasing people even though he's kind of a recluse yeah um but yeah he came to new york wanted to like associate with important people he met like he went straight to talk to Steichen right and that's something I'd read about and he's exploited that relationship and when I every time I mention it because it's like you meet a photographer that's historic that's awesome but his work never really resonated with me until like I got to know him yeah Robert Frank yeah but Steichen definitely did so you know when I'd see him I'd be like what about Steichen like how was that right and then he was definitely just like kind of saying it was business right yeah. like i went to the top to talk I'm like i want to take photos you know help me out and it was very very thought out and methodical and like so i don't know when it became his thing maybe like maybe like avidon like it, got, it has an impact on you the fact that he had put that at the back of his portfolio probably tells you that it wasn't the most important stuff he was trying to sell that yeah, he's director. Probably filling it like he just probably needed 20 pages yeah you and know? like when all of a sudden at Vogue, they tell you, hey, this is the stuff that yeah. will influence a young photographer, right? And I think it did for me too. Like what what actually sticks with people, like what the people you look up to tell you, hey, this is good. You should forget about the rest. We'll shape what you end up doing. So maybe that's what happened to Frank. He was just like that, that got him notoriety and he just kept on doing. And eventually it's probably hard to know. At first it was like maybe just, not tricking people but going like i'm being different for the sake of being different and yeah. eventually it becomes what you do and then you're like oh i like doing that i'm comfortable with that that's what people tell me i'm good at that's what i like you know yeah more of and so maybe that's what happened with him yeah i'm just like because it just makes me think a little bit more of like obviously everybody strives to be different than mm-hmm. their peer group or the, the greater thing but it makes me think a little bit more of like a guy like steven mizell mm-hmm. who Biggest photographer in the world, arguably, like for fashion anyway. Yeah. Um, and kind of when he first arrived, in, like he was a fashion illustrator and was like pretty decently known for that. But he just, his first bit of his career was just copying everybody. Mm-hmm. And he became kind of the cheap alternative. Yeah. Right? So it's like we can, he just knew everybody's style so well that instead of Vogue hiring Avedon, they well, we can get Mizell because Mizell can yeah. do it pretty closely, but Mizell could also do William Klein or he could do, um, you know, maybe more of a Helmut Newton, you know what I mean? And then after a while of him getting more of those people's jobs, then he started to kind of develop his own style. But from what I understand, Stephen Mizell is just like the most apt pupil of like photography of fashion photography you know like yeah he just was such a student of it that he just grew to like become the teacher you know yeah i can relate to that yeah like just learning how and and some would it's the line of where you're just ripping off people to where actually learning from or being inspired by like if you become the person who can shoot what everyone else does and do it well and then eventually grow style out of it you've got like a solid base right like if you never and there's a lot of people who never make that last step of creating their own um and they're just usually pro like good proficient 
commercial photographers. Yeah. Uh, in smaller markets, there's a lot, there's a lot of people like that who will yeah. just be, you know, very good technically, but not have their own style. And that's fine. Right? Yeah. Like this. And that kind of like, I guess like we're doing a few podcasts in one. At, yeah. It seems like at this point, but like we should, we'll branch out from this into the other one. That's a good introduction to what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like where we're going. Um, cause I also, I really, and it came up this week with like, the difference between what's derivative and what's influenced by mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you know if you're just like copying something for the sake of copying versus being influenced by so you're obviously shooting very similarly you know yeah like what like what to you is that line so that's so i think i i think if you well i think you're it's derivative if you're in, if you only have the one influence yeah um and it's a stupid thing to do I mean, it's not stupid it's a stupid thing to do and and think you're creating art if you're just copying someone else because what are the odds like you're just going to be a copy of something else you're not going to do better than the original yeah like at best you're going to come close to it so if you're you know if you're just looking if you're just ripping off something in every way and trying to do your own version it's the only way that's acceptable is that as an exercise. I've yeah. done that. I've seen some stuff done technically that I was like, Jesus, how did she do that? How did he do that? Yeah. Um, I need to like reverse engineering, but that's like for me just to go, you know, it's the same as if you were trying to learn a song, like something on the piano. You're just yeah. like, well, that's a challenge. I'm going to yeah, learn yeah, how yeah. to play that one. You don't claim that you've invented it. Yeah. Um, I think as as soon as you start mixing sources, I don't think I've ever. I people argue about if it's even possible, but I don't think I've ever had an original thought. Right, like you, everything is derivative. But if you mix a couple of ideas that weren't really mixed together before, then you're starting to talk. Right, like that's that's interesting. So if if you like the way someone lit a portrait of someone and you go and shoot something else, but with that same mood, yeah. you've like taken the subject matter of one one photo with the lighting of another one the intent of and you you're mixing things that's that's cool like i i look for inspiration and stuff that's not photographs to bring into photography so yeah yeah yeah. to me it's more like if you understand the process behind why that person did it to me like yeah like i'm influenced like i wear my influences on my sleeve you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but it's like why is this person shooting it that way like what's the motivation what what what's the whole concept as opposed to just like oh hey that light's great i'm gonna do it this way you know it's yeah. like oh they're well no it's this way because of these reasons and i can bring those reasons to the right thing i guess that's to me i guess that's the difference between derivative and influence you know the litmus test for this should be do you have the urge to share where your source is or to hide it oh yeah, yeah, yeah right totally because if you're referencing something that you like yeah then then you'll tell people and you'll yeah. want to tell people if inside you're like i i'm i'm like i'm exploring the fact that nobody in this room knows who jill greenberg is because like we're just ripping her off right now <laughs> right yeah. yeah then then it's derivative if you've got like if if you've got the urge to go hey everyone we're doing this and like this little part of our shoot is inspired by this great artist that i like yeah. look at her work right then it's and it's cool right like this is so i think that's that'd be like the maybe like a good way to think about it for for ourselves like at least yeah at least to be at peace with that yeah cool 
Another podcast we'll have to talk. It's interesting because you're quoting Avedon about like capturing a moment, not knowing and like the techniques to get a natural moment out of an unnatural situation. Yeah. Um, one we should talk about down the road is, is, and it's more an approach I feel like I, I'd have when I photograph people is the way Karsh would do it, where it's like, you are just a prop and I'm getting what I need out of you. Yeah. I feel it's, and not in a disrespectful way, but it was like, this is a man on a mission. Like we're tricking you into, you know, I'm just using the fact that you look like you to portray what I think you should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just pretty much it got to be the opposite of Avedon or the like, you know what though? I think it's actually like more similar than you think. Yeah. Like, um, there's like footage of him, talking to one of the girls who was in the American West series years later mm -hmm. and she kind of just looks like white trash in the photo and when he talked to her afterwards it's like she was a teenager in the photo and then he's talking to her as an adult and she's like she's like I'm still mad at you about that because I was like the prom queen I was like not poor and you made me look like this trailer trash and he's just like oh never trust a photographer he's gonna make you look like he thinks you should be yeah so like I think as much as he played on that whole, like, like I'm going to get to the real soul of the subject, it was, no, he's going to get to the soul of himself. Right. And use that subject to look, say, like, look, I'm getting the art of this person. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, like Avedon also was, like, a brilliant salesperson, you know? Like, I love his work, and, like, but the more I learn about him, it's just like, oh, he's, this isn't a guy who just documented like the underlying layer of somebody it's like no no he he wanted to do what he thought was best which i think we all do though like yeah you know what i mean like i make people look i try to make them look way cooler than they say they are yeah because i want them to be cooler you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah no that's yeah yeah we should end on another quote okay Get the randomizer on it. <laughs> <laughs> if I put in random photo quotes, it's just going to be something inspirational. Like, oh, be the like, best version of you can be. Yeah, or like, well, or it'd just be like, F8 and be there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about F8 and be there. As somebody who, <laughs> this, this will be our arguable part for anybody who... For the four people that might listen to this podcast. Yeah. You used to be a photojournalist. Yeah. Um, and you, you have opinions on that. Um, capturing versus creating. Yeah, that's, so that's the thing. And I feel, I feel like my background as, as a journalist get, like makes me... Because whenever... And if I do, if, if I do talks or, or mention that concept of capturing versus uh, creating or yeah. documenting versus art, right? Like that those two uh two ends of the spectrum it sounds like because what i do now is strive to do art stuff that i'm poo-pooing like the capturing and i i don't think what i really hate is people capturing things thinking that they're artists right like if you're just doing baby photos you're capturing someone's youth and like that's fine like the family's going to be happy to have that the grandparents are going to be happy to have that yeah. it's not art right like it's yeah so that that's what i don't like but there's nothing wrong in capturing and like photojournalism is capturing it's not art it shouldn't be art because then then you're losing the journalism part of it and 
when I see the world press photos, which is a lot more artistic, this is not doing a great service to people as like a reader, right? Like the, I hate these black and white war photos because it's like, yeah, it looks more dramatic. You know what? Because it's not in black and white over there. It's yeah. just like, but, but so it, I think it's an important thing. To me, it was a great boot camp because you're shooting a lot more than any artist ever, uh, ever do. And, and, And yeah, but the yeah F eight and B there was just a reference to it doesn't yeah don't try to make art you just have to be there and F eight is like a safe aperture to to capture <laughs> to capture stuff at but it's like definitely diminishing the role of what what photojournalists do or maybe just like it it goes along the line of the best cameras the one you have on you is like one that photojournalists do like yeah if you just you know. If you, if you were in New York on September 11 and you didn't have a camera, well, well, that that sucks, right? Like you, yeah, you yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You have to have your camera with you. So I think that's the F8 and be there just like for spot news people or just like just rush to the scene, be there first. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or you can be like Joel Meyerowitz and go on September 14th with a medium or with a large format camera. <laughs> 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 I feel like me 10 years ago would have like rushed towards the scene like in the morning of September 11 and me today would have been more like that going like September 16th all right let's go do portraits of people <laughs> in the safety of a studio yeah, like totally I would definitely today be running in the opposite direction <laughs> going like nope 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 yeah that's awesome cool all right well this is uh it's a good start Good start to volume two. Volume one, we'll just, no, whatever. It'll be when we're really popular and we're like not feeling like doing anymore. We'll have that in the bank to release. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's. We uh, do we intro who we are? <laughs> we'll worry about that after. We'll just make an easy one of those. Uh, <laughs> we should end on like a really stupid like catchphrase, like keep clicking or. <laughs> <laughs> Or like, no, no, that's, that's take your camera and go fuck yourself. Oh man, both good options. <laughs> well, keep keep clicking yourself. Go click yourself. <laughs>